Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Surviving Adulthood. Today, we have a special guest, and her name is Star Howard. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm sorry, guys. It was a lag. I think I got a lag. It is a lag. You're, yeah. It sounds like your mic is covered. Okay. Let me get back at my desk. I'm sorry, Star. It's okay. <laughs> Ooh, the lighting's better, too. I can see you a lot better. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was like, all right, let me. <laughs> there we go. All right, I'm going to start over. All right, good morning, everyone. Hey. I'm Andy. I'm AJ. And I'm Tanil J. And we are. We are. Surviving adulthood. So today we have a special guest. Her name is Star Howard. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. It's so nice to have you. And Tanil, I'll let you kick it off. Uh, yes. So I initially met Star and heard of Star through Andy. Um, she told Angelisa and I about you. And then we met you um, at Kalu's latest event based by the bay yes and yes and so um i was just so eager to meet you and talk further with you about um who you are what you have going on um you're a part of our uh, powerful women series and we just want to know what what does that mean to you what speaks to you when you hear powerful powerful women oh gosh um I honestly think about influence. Um, and let me know, am I echoing? I'm in an empty room. Yes. Are you? Angelus, you can hear echo? Yeah, me too. Andy, you? I'm lagging this morning, so I don't hear it. Um. Teddy Riley. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> but sorry, we're gonna edit this out. <laughs> so don't worry about it. Okay. Okay. Oh, it sounds better now. I don't think I can't hear the feedback, so that sounds a lot better. Um honestly, when I think of powerful women, I think about the um, the influence. Um I think about almost to the to almost like a mentorship type of thing. And I hate to say the word mentorship, but who are you positively influencing? What are you doing to make someone else's life better? Um, honestly, because if we think about just ourselves and what we've done to elevate ourselves, how effective is it, you know? Um, so when I think about a powerful woman, I think about her ability to influence positively mm -hmm. another woman and either in her same peer group or someone who is underneath her someone younger than her but honestly like I said I mentioned before it's the um, power of influence mm -hmm. yeah I would have to agree yeah. I would have to add agree. something oh go ahead. go ahead go ahead no I was just saying I have to agree with what she was saying go ahead yes I was just thinking as you were saying that um when I first met you was at the event that Dwayne invited me to and mm -hmm. literally felt her energy and I was like I'm gonna go sit with them <laughs> yes we were so happy too 
Yes, it was a good conversation. And mm-hmm. so, like Chanel was just saying in the beginning, um, when I got home, I was like, I just met these beautiful black women. Oh, today. yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, I feel good. So. Yeah, it was good. And honestly, at that event, it was the first time that I had gone out. Um, and I, I think I've talked to Andy before about I'm not from the Bay, I'm from Houston. And mm-hmm. so I've only been in the Bay three years, three years in February. And now I've kind of taken this last year, 2019, and what we have of 2020, um, taking that opportunity to kind of get out and meet people and step outside of my comfort zone because I'm a lot more comfortable at home um, in my own little space, in my own little bubble. And so going out to that event, not knowing anyone was a huge risk for me, I guess. And so I was so happy when Andy got there because of course everyone else in the room was a little more mature. Um, and so, <laughs> right. so when Andy walked in, I'm like, yeah, somebody in our, our age group. And so it was a great conversation when, um, when she stepped to the table, when she sat at our table. So we were so excited that you joined us as well. Like hallelujah. Right. Yes. So, um, for those of, uh, for those viewers that don't know much about you, can you go into your background? So you said you're from Houston. You've only been here for three years. How did you get here? What's some of your journey? Yeah, so I moved here in 2017. And what prompted me to move here, honestly, it was the fact that I've always wanted to live in California. I remember being a kid, like just daydreaming about living in Cali. And I'd never been to Cali, um, not once in my life. And just all these visions, I always had this vision of living in California. And I have friends that I met in Houston. And um, actually the husband is the cousin of a guy that I used to date. And so I ended up becoming friends with him and his wife. And his wife was actually from San Diego. And so they left Houston and moved to San Diego. And so then when they moved, I would come out to Cali and visit them at least once a year. And so Initially, I wanted to live in San Diego, and in 2016, I got laid off from my job in Houston, and I took a little time just to do nothing. I kind of lived off of my um, severance, and I lived off of a little bit of unemployment to kind of figure out what it is that I wanted to do, what would be my next step, and so I started thinking, what better time than now to move, you know, Um, and so I honestly, I spent two weeks in Cali. I spent one week in San Diego with my friends and then I came here to the Bay and I did a solo location in San Francisco and that was the, this was the second time I had visited the Bay Area. The time before that I came to visit a friend that I went to grad school with in Houston. She's actually from Richmond and so when she moved back to Richmond I visited her and fell in love with the Bay and so when I took my solo location I came up to the Bay, stayed here for almost a week and then decided, okay, it's it. I'm just going to move to Oakland. Um, and so I, I think that was in December, maybe. Yeah, in December, I started to look for jobs and found a job in San Ramon at Bank of the West and worked there until my lease was up. And my lease was up in February of 2017. I moved to Oakland. Well, actually, I moved to Walnut Creek um, and lived there for a year. And no, actually I lived in Walnut Creek for two years, I think. How did you like living in Walnut Creek? I actually love Walnut Creek. Mm-hmm. 
I know Walnut Creek is a bad rap because there's no black people. Right. Uh, <laughs> but for me, coming from Houston, Houston is a huge melting pot. So it wasn't anything that was unfamiliar to me. It was I kind of was used to like that type of environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, when I felt like I needed to be around my people, I just drive, go through the tunnel and get to Oakland, you know? Right. But I lived in Walnut Creek. Oh, I I had, <laughs> huh? I said, you know where to find them. Exactly. Exactly. But I, I, I moved to Walnut Creek because, like I said, I had never lived here, never know how many family here. Mm-hmm. And so my boyfriend at the time used to work in Reno. And um, Walnut Creek, he had a store in Walnut Creek. He was a district manager, and he used to tell me about Walnut Creek. And so he felt a lot comfortable for me to stay there since I'd never been here. Um, and also, my job was in San Ramon. Oh, it's just not minutes far. Away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was easier. But yeah. honestly, I wanted to stay there until I got familiar with the area mm-hmm. um, and then make my way to Oakland. And so that's what I did. Stayed there for a year, um, saw no black people. Mm-hmm. So minimum, right? Yeah, minimum. But I mean, but you don't see, you don't see a lot of us out there. No, yeah. but I mean, I was walking around with my Malcolm X T-shirt on, my head wraps, and so I was like, I don't care, I'm gonna be me. Hmm. Um, but see, yes, head wraps, Malcolm X T-shirts. I'm black T-shirts, black is beautiful T-shirt. <laughs> all up in Target, all at their wine bars, but right. Um, yeah, I moved to Oakland and love it. I've been in Oakland two years now. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So can you tell us a little bit about what else you do? So I know I know you from um, the fact that me and Tanil used to go to a store called Big Chop. And I recently, mm. or I started to see you on their <gasps> Instagram. Oh, yeah, so for Chris. That's elaborate right. a little bit like, yes. about like, get into it. Get into Bring it, it back, Angelisa. Bring it back. I did not know that. I did not know that. Um, so honestly, so my full-time job, I do procurement and um, supply chain for, for a tech company here. Um, so that's my, that's my seed money. That's what I like to call it, my seed right. money. Mm-hmm. Um, and on it, so my part-time job, what I do, my passion, I hate the word influencer and I hate the word blogger. Hate it. But I mean, it's facts. That's what it is. So when he spoke of Big Chop, I met Chris um, when I first moved here at Jack London Square. Um, we hit it off really, um, really quickly, and I started doing brand rep work for her. And so um, I worked for Chris in that part in her store, um, just taking clothes and taking pictures and doing the influencing thing on the influence. Um, sorry, y'all. Also, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, Hold on one second, Star. Are you guys hearing okay. that feedback? Or is it just me? I was hearing. I think it's. Oh, it's gone again. Yeah. Okay. So it, it leaves when Andy is on mute. <laughs> she said that's cold y'all that's what <laughs> um so yeah for big chop i do influencing um, um brand rep for big chop accessories and also for alice on grand here in oakland so yes i see yeah. you in there yeah yeah i love 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 clue 
Um, and so I do those for both of the stores. My whole goal with the whole influencing thing, because I hate labels, but I know that um, it does assist with a lot of the businesses here. So my goal with my part of the, my side of the influencing is to put more focus on small businesses and black owned businesses and also Oakland. And I actually moved here and fell in love with the city, um, the good and the bad, the pretty and the ugly. Um, and so what I try to do in my pictures on Instagram is trying to highlight the beauty of Oakland. Um, and also the rough size, I still want to show the beauty in that as well. So if you see a lot of my pictures, sometimes there are pictures of me on, in the graffiti, on the graffiti walls, you know, because that's a part of the culture here in Oakland. Graffiti walls are everywhere. Um, so in my influencing, I prefer to stick with Black-owned businesses and smaller businesses. Um, and also, like I said, highlighting Oakland, because a lot of the influencers when they come to the Bay Area, the first place they go to is San Francisco. Um, a lot of the influencers will prefer to photo in San Francisco. Um, I had someone tell me, I don't, don't hashtag Oakland blogger instead of, um, I prefer hashtag Oakland blogger um, because people prefer to see San Francisco blogger. I guess it's a little more appealing. Um, but I go against the grain on everything. So as soon as you tell me don't do something, I don't want to do it. So <laughs> that made me start doing more, taking more photos in Oakland and start hashtagging Oakland a lot more because we don't get, and I say we, because I feel like I'm a part of the community now as well, but we don't get <laughs> the same recognition, you know, in San Francisco. So that's another part of what I do. <laughs> um, also, I do a lot of things in my church. So. I am the women's director of my church. My church is in Pittsburgh. Hey, so we have a church in Pittsburgh and also a location in Oakland. And so I'm the women's director over um, both locations. So that takes up a lot of my time as well. Yeah. Are you comfortable with saying, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just wondering how she balances that because that's a lot. Uh, I honestly don't believe in balance. I don't think that it's actual. Um, I believe in priority. And mm -hmm. so sometimes when I have a lot going on with the church, then everything else is put on the back burner. So I can just focus on that is my priority. Um, if I have a lot of things like campaigns or shooting that I need to do for um, Alice on Grand or Big Shop, then I put everything else to the side. Um, I honestly feel like when I was trying to get to some type of balance, it's stress. I deal with anxiety and depression as well. And trying to deal with balancing everything, um, it was very overwhelming. So when I decided, okay, let me just prioritize like what's most important right now, mm -hmm. then that helped me um, reach some type of comfort and make it a lot easier to execute. How do you deal with um, anxiety and depression? <sighs> um, so honestly like what are some I things just, that you've done to like something was giving you anxiety or you were going through depression and what some what tool did you utilize to get through or do you know what tools do you use so with my anxiety I just had like I felt was an anxiety attack it, it shows up differently in different people and I just experienced one maybe about two weeks ago and it was with work and it was just more of you know anxiety is 
honestly the thoughts in our own head what we're telling ourselves you know worrying about the future and fearful of the future just because of the things that we told ourselves um and so what i had to do is breathing techniques first of all um honestly in that moment my last little attack in that moment i had a therapy session like in 10 minutes and so that allowed me to like be in the moment in full-on anxiety with my therapist and so breathing and actually talking it out helped me in that moment um and then the next day because it happened on a friday the next day i just kind of laid low didn't do anything didn't put anything on my schedule typically when feeling any type of depression coming on i try to and i advise other people to make a list of things that make you happy that don't involve anyone else so you're not depending on someone else to make you happy and so it's small things like for me it's the sun so going out for a walk sometimes um also doing yoga um plants i love gardening and i love plants those are things that make me happy um solo dance parties i talk about these all the time so my solo dance parties it's always old school music it's something like prince or earth wind and fire and it's honest it's an opportunity nobody's around cranking the music up and you can just dance with no inhibitions you know what i mean and so that type of those things um the list of things to just make me happy without depending on someone else those things really really help and it's kind of hard when you're in in the depression in the middle of it because your body and your mind just wants to sleep and do nothing and not talk to anybody and just be under the covers all day and sometimes that helps me as well but it honestly depends on for me in that moment how i'm feeling do i feel like i want to get up and go out and do something um sometimes i try to stop it when i feel that it's getting real deep if i'm starting to really get under then i'll have to force myself to get up because laying around doesn't help but sometimes depending on the stage it does help because sometimes it's more of me to slow down sit down and relax um but i honestly like i said with anxiety it shows up differently in different people so it's hard for me to tell someone else how to handle their anxiety and depression but i will say the advice to make that list of things that make you happy that don't involve anyone else is very very helpful i think that can that's universal something that everybody can can use right i'm really happy that you said because oh, sorry. i'm happy that you said that because you actually reminded me of we had the bay therapist on a while ago and she kind of echoed exactly what you're saying as far as lists and taking the time to just let yourself do what you need to do in that particular mm -hmm. moment so i'm very happy that you said that because sometimes i feel depressed it's not, mm -hmm. i feel bad and i'm like why am i just in the bed i have to get up but no you have to allow your, yourself that time to heal so i'm, I'm yes. very happy that, that yes and listen to your body the one thing my mom used to tell me as a kid and i never really understood it was listen to your body if yeah. your body feels tired then you need to rest right if you feel like you're doing too much then you need to rest and honestly the one thing that i i tell people because of because the mental and the mental effect that depression has on you give yourself grace because a lot of the times especially women and black women we put so much pressure on ourselves mm -hmm. um to be successful whatever that looks like um 
for me coming from the South, not, I just had this conversation with my mom this morning, not having children and not being married at 38, that's mm -hmm. pressure, you know? And so honestly, the one thing I can tell everyone is to give yourself grace. We're not, we don't have to live by everybody else's timetable. You don't have to be what everybody else tells you you should be. Um, give yourself grace to mess up. Give yourself grace to lay in the bed all day. If that's what you want to do, then do what you have to do, what makes you feel better. What did your mom have to say? Did she agree Girl. with you? <laughs> Girl, let me tell you something. My mom, <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have three sisters, three younger sisters. One sister, we had the same mom. And so she's 30, she's 33. And so, and I'm 38. And so the pressure to have children. Girl. Let me get married first. First come love, then come marriage, then come the baby carriage. Um, <laughs> but I asked her all the time when she asked me now, I'm like, you got grandkid money? Because right. you're going to babysit all these babies. You want me to have them. <laughs> but I think for my mom, it's more, and I think a lot of parents, they just want the grandbabies. They just want the kids. They don't care how you get them, where right. you get them from. They just want the kids. Right. Um, but she, she misses it every chance she can. I'm sorry, what'd you say, Andy? I was gonna say, then they say that, but then they be like, but no, this your baby, so come pick your baby back. Take them back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. Listen, I'm like, you babysitting all these babies when they come. I know right. you in Texas, but. But still, I, yes. You keep, on the su in the summer, they coming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. also you're right. I think like uh, being a grandparent, they it's a different relationship with your grandkids than with your children mm -hmm. and so, um i've seen many a parent change like whoo you so kind you so, sweet, so gentle <laughs> <laughs> my friends parents my own parents is is really um because i'm a mother i have a son he's seven mm -hmm. and so it's it's definitely different and like andy said they you know oh i love you grandkid okay now bye like you yeah. know well, it's been for five minutes you know so but I, I guess just to experience that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you feel any personals? Like, I'm sorry, go ahead, Andy. I was saying they be wanting us to have kids so they can know all the hell we put them through. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, now, and, <laughs> so they can say, I told you. Right, right, right. <laughs> now, do you feel any personal um, pressure? So do, you feel, do you feel like, okay, well, I need, I want this, I need this now? I used to, and I think it comes, it, it, it's, age has helped. Um, when I turned 31 is when I like, had a complete meltdown because in my mind, I had, done, I had not done anything that I wanted to do by 30. And so at 31, I realized, okay, my opportunity is gone. Um, so I thought, but now I think as I've gotten older, I realized, first of all, God's timing is always perfect. And honestly, if I had children right now and I commend y'all, all y'all mamas out there during awesome. this pandemic, if I had kids right now, some one of us was going to be dead. Right. One of us. Right. Um, but now I think more pressure, more pressure is on me to, to, it's more of a perfectionist thing. For me now, and it's something I'm working out in therapy because that also contributes to my anxiety. Because every time I make a mistake, then 
the anxiety comes on because I have this need to be perfect in my performance and my productivity. Um, that's the pressure that I have put on myself lately. Um, but the, the pressure for children and marriage, it is, it's more of a, I can't wait until it happens because now I'm understanding that, like I said, God's timing is perfect. And so when it does happen, then, um, it'll be the time when I'm ready to handle it. Mm. Um, so it's, it's changed a little bit because there was pressure before and it was more pressure coming from other people. It wasn't necessarily me. It was people putting the pressure on me and putting their expectations on me. And one of my favorite quotes, Nipsey Hussle quotes is don't put your expectations of me on me. Um, and so once I realized that, like your expectations of me, I can't do anything about what you expect me to do. I can only do what I want to do. So when I realized that and everybody else's expectations kind of fell off of me, I remember y'all a few years ago, like two years ago, I would go home for, uh, to visit when I moved here. The first year was horrible. Worst year of my life. Um, so I was going home like every other month. I was flying back to Texas. And so I remember going home and I would go back to my church there and people would like grab my hand, my ring finger and be like, oh, you're not married yet? Not married yet? And I'm like, what? nobody asked me about my career. Nobody yeah, asked right. me how I'm surviving yeah. out here. Right, how you doing? How, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I've had to tell my mom, like the, those things make me feel, make people feel like I am only worthy if mm. I have a husband. Like, my worth is dependent on the fact that I'm married or not. Right. Like, what I felt like, I've done a lot of things, and I've succeeded in a lot of things by myself. So why aren't anyone, why isn't anyone addressing that? Um, I don't know what the question was, but what no. was <laughs> you all in my you all in my playground because I definitely identify with that for real so I'm glad that you said that because people do put a lot of expectations yes. on your age based on your career status just mm -hmm. period I remember I went to church too same similar situation I hadn't been there in a while and I came back and they asked me two questions they asked me oh um are you married or in the second one was, oh, oh, so you're living with your mom now. And I'm just like, wait, what? Hi, how are you? Nice to exactly. <laughs> it's just, it's just crazy. So I'm glad you overcame that. I'm glad that you are um, in therapy because I do believe it's, it's very important and it's not just, you know, something that you can do on your own all the time. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Yes. Yeah. And you know, therapy has been a saving grace for me. And one of the things that has been a little bit of a hurdle with therapy is the stigma that we have in our community. Mm. Um, and also, so culturally as black people, and then the separate culture, which is in the culture of black Christians. Right. So, yeah. So <laughs> that has been a little bit of a, of a hurdle just not really getting people to understand, but getting them to open their minds on the idea of therapy is okay. You know, I pray and I go to therapy. I believe in Jesus Christ and I go to therapy, you know? Yeah. Um, and so therapy has really helped me. It took me a while to kind of pull the trigger. Although, so my educational background is psychology. 
but it took me a little bit of a while to pull the trigger and actually go to therapy myself just because of those things of like oh and we just take it to Jesus you know what I mean or the, the unlearning that we have to do in our culture is like whatever goes on in this house stays in this house you know right. um and so when I finally pulled the trigger, I knew exactly the type of therapist I wanted. I wanted a therapist who wasn't a Christian um, mm-hmm. or no, no, let me correct that. I wanted a therapist who didn't have to put in their bio Christian therapists. Mm-hmm. If they're a Christian, that's perfectly fine with me. I wanted someone to line up with my moral values, not necessarily having to be having to be a Christian. And also I wanted a black female and that's exactly what I have. And so it's been a huge saving grace because sometimes I go in there and just talk about the microaggressions, you know, or I talk about the pressure as a black woman in America right. and I have someone who can relate. So I advise if you can, because therapy, it's not cheap. No. Um, it is for the quote unquote privileged. Um, but it, they are making ways for people who aren't able to afford them with, you know, video therapy and all that stuff. Um, our therapy with apps, like talk therapy and all that. But I advise everybody. It's just for maintenance. Everybody go get. Even if things are good, right? He said yeah. for maintenance. How was that? Um, can you speak to the process of you finding that right therapist? Because it is a process. It is a huge process. And the thing is, I'm just so blessed to find the therapist. I have my therapist, the therapist that I initially started with. I didn't go and seek anyone else. I didn't have to go and get anyone else. But I think I found her on um, Therapy for Black Girls. Um, And so I ended up, I had maybe two therapists that I reached out to. And the one that I go to now is the one that I connected with the most over the phone. But I'm also a person of great discernment. And like I mentioned before, I pray and go to therapy. And so I pray to make sure this person lines up as well to help me find the right therapist. Um, And so... My first initial, y'all, my first initial therapy session, the tears were flowing. Like, I couldn't breathe. I was crying so much because it was just so much. I didn't even realize so much I needed to get out, um, to get out and get off my chest. Um, But yeah, so I think I found her through Therapy for Black Girls. And then I did a phone consultation. I liked her vibes and um, her voice was just so soft and calming. And then we hit it off in our first session. Okay. Yeah. I love that. It sounds like even hearing your stories your anxiety and things that like that, like you're really in tune with yourself and it takes, you know, it takes a while to get there. I just made some January and I feel like I'm just becoming or, you know, maybe over the last year starting to find out, you know, things that I like, things that I don't like mm-hmm. um, and with and parenting um, just in all aspects of my life and I'm just so grateful to have you here to be sharing all of these different things because, you know, therapy is important, but like you touched on several different things, like what happens in this house stays in this house. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Thank you guys. Thank y'all so much for having me and let me be open and transparent, you know? Yeah. It feels good. Um, Last night I was looking at your website, Camille, um, and Lisa, we have a group chat, so we were just sharing different things. And so last night on my way to sleep, I was playing your playlist. Um, it was the uh, 
love is playlist. And I was like, yes. <laughs> Some joints on there. Yes. I played that this morning too. No, I didn't get that yesterday. I was like, as soon as I got to work, because you know, working from home, um, I kind of set up this system where I moved the desk out of my bedroom because initially it was in my bedroom and it was so stressful. So I moved it out of my bedroom, and so I now I have it set up in one of the um, the spare rooms that we have. And so it gives me the opportunity to feel like I'm going to work. Um, but as soon as I logged on, the crap came. I'm like, y'all, not today, not today. So oh, let me go put on some uh, gospel music. Let me go study and read the word real quick. Cause y'all not about to be on my Friday. But yeah, that right. hallelujah party playlist. That's a good playlist to do some solo dancing too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my blinds, I was like, I'm looking at So also too, um, looking on Instagram, you had posed some questions in regards to books. So can you share with us? Because I know now like on your highlight, which I'm going to always be checking for, because I know that you put a lot of books on there. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some books that you like to read? So um, a lot of... I'm sorry. And especially since we're talking about women... Um, powerful women like what are some books that you like to read or have read in regards to that so my recent book and I recently started talking about this a lot on my Instagram the book that I just finished is a book called Queenie and I don't know if you all had the opportunity to read it no so I suggest you get it first of all Queenie she is like the friend that you love her so much but she just keep messing up like you keep making these the wrong mistakes and the wrong decisions and it's like you just want to grab her and shake her but also Queenie is someone that I initially in the beginning of the book I um, recognized in myself and so just to give you an idea uh, she's young Jamaican British so she's living in um, UK she's Jamaican and I think she's early 30s just got out of a breakup from a relationship with a white man, girl, don't get me started on that. Um, but <laughs> in a relationship and like just went downhill from that and just making horrible decisions and not really allowing herself to get over that relationship and just looking, seeking validation in other men because of her lack of relationship with her father. Um, and it's, it's just a mess, but eventually she gets herself into therapy and um, starts to get things back rolling. And she, I mean, messing up on her job and everything. It was, I mean, it's very relatable, but also, like I said, it's, it's, she's the person that you just want to shake, but you love her so much because you see her potential. And I think that we all have experienced that ourselves, um, making horrible decisions because of a decision we made or because of a circumstance. And really trying to figure our way out of the hole that we dug ourselves into and then finally kind of getting ourselves back on that right track. And so that's a book that I just finished this week. But the types of books, I really, 
I read every now and then I may read a novel like that, but I really love to read books um, about more of internal, more internal um, digging and internal, what, what's the word I'm trying to, discovery, discovering yourself, whether it is my blackness, um, whether it is my spirituality. Right now, next on my book is The Way of the Superior Man. And I got that from a Nipsey Hussle rec recommendation. Obviously, I love Nip, but it was a Nipsey Hussle book recommendation. Bless you. Bless you. Um, and so it's technically a great book for men to read because it's just trying to find the value in yourself outside of finances and success and status. It's your spiritual um, value. But I'm reading that with my boyfriend. And so we're going to read that together. Um, I have picked up a Nikki Giovanni book, ready for waiting for that to come in. A little bit of James Baldwin. Um, I am, have read The Isis Papers, which is more like a textbook. But it just talks about the effect of um, white culture on black culture, pretty much, to put it in a nutshell. Um, black Rage is another book <laughs> that I read. Oh, yeah. I sound very, very... Uh -huh. have, you, have you guys read that? I have not, but I, I am familiar okay. with that book. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So that's up next on my playlist, my playlist, my, um, my book list. Um, and then also, I've taken it back to Lord of the Flies. It's a book that I love to read in high mm -hmm. school. Have you got, did you guys read that in high school? Mm -hmm. Love that book. But now I think I see it differently as an yeah, adult. As an adult. Yeah, so I'm putting that back in my rotation as well. So that, those are a few things that are on my, um, my book list. Every now and then I may read a faith-based book, but I honestly prefer, if I, I mean, I read the Bible if I want more of that type of Christianity, faith-based. Every now and then I may read it. I don't really read too many of them. Um, but a lot of the books, it's more of very conscious, very black power. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Um, and on your Instagram, it says Jesus Freak. Can you speak to that? Um, Jesus Freak? Mm -hmm. Girl, yes. So I don't know if y'all heard, Kirk Franklin had a song a long time yeah. ago called Jesus Freak. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I picked it up from. Um, and it's really... It's more the term to me. I think about like, what do people think when they see the term Jesus freak? It's more, it's a lot more radical. Um, but it honestly, it just means that I'm a lover of Christ. And I started, I don't even know what I would label it. I guess it would be called ministry and it's called church girls are lit. And I started it about a year ago. It was just something that dropped into my spirit. You a hashtag like that, right? On yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it dropped in my spirit, and I really didn't know where I wanted to take it and where it was going. But it started off as um, me sending out devotions to, to ladies um, via email or newsletter. And honestly, what it means is, for me, I've always been a church girl. I've always grown up in the church, but I've never been the church girl, the traditional church girl, I guess, if that makes sense. The ones you know, buttoned up. I don't feel like I look like a typical church girl. Um, and so when I think about when I created Church Girls Are Lit, it's, it's to encompass all women who are church girls, 
but love fashion who you might have in a corner office of a fortune 500 company you know what i mean they will be on um floor side seats at the warriors game um they love to they love makeup they love hair it's not your traditional church girl it's like church girls we are lit we love the lord but we stay fly as well and but we're successful and but we know where our help comes from so it's just a, honestly a church girl church girls are lit is just someone like myself someone who still loves to go and hang out with their girls and go to restaurants like i said we may be at a warriors game or um fashion week but still i'm not going to miss the sunday service you know what i mean so it's really just a combination of both i love that i um my family I have a mixture so when you say traditional um church girl i have a lot of kojic which is church of god in christ yes. um in my family and if those that don't know there are a lot of like um i don't want to say rules but there are a lot of expectations and requirements that come along with you saying that you're saved in a church of god in christ type of church so mm-hmm. when you don't do that for instance if you have on pants and you should be wearing skirts, it you look a little different. So I can identify with that. So I'm yes. glad you're doing that. It sounds like that's part of your purpose. Um, do you think that you've identified your purpose? Uh, yes and no. Um, I, I think I've identified my gift. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my gift is to teach, not teaching children not school teacher, but just to be, just to teach. I'm not teaching any school children. Um, But a teacher, like just in my everyday life, in my existence, if that makes sense. Um, I do, I have been a Sunday school teacher. And even in that girl, even a Sunday school teacher, I don't look like your Sunday school teacher. Um, And I'm not going to talk to you about the typical things that are said. We're going to keep talking about things that we can all relate to. Um, But yeah, so I feel like my gift is to teach. I'm not really sure. I'm still searching for, for that purpose. And honestly, that's a great question. I just had a conversation about career, my career and how I feel like I plateaued in my career because I don't seek to be in a manager's position. I don't seek to be a supervisor. Um, I feel like in my current role, although it's great and it pays the bills and it's a great salary, um, I don't feel like I do anything for humanity. And so I've always struggled with that in my career. I've always, years ago before I left Houston, I went to my manager in my role there um, for oil and gas company and expressed the same thing. I don't feel like doing anything for humanity. And so in having that conversation and really trying to figure out what it is that I want to do, I realized through a conversation with a friend that um, the reason I feel like I plateaued and I don't have any desire to quote unquote advance in my career, it's because I'm more purpose driven than career driven. Mm-hmm. And I'm still searching for that purpose, but I do know it does not include the career path that I'm on. I don't care if I have that corner office, honestly. Um, 
I honestly just want to make sure I do my job, do my job well and get paid for it and go home. But I've always felt guilty for not being career driven. You know, like, should I want to be a manager or should I want to be on a C in a C level position? Like, what is it? What was wrong with me? I always thought something was wrong. But realizing now that it's more purpose driven than I'm more purpose driven than career driven. But I still am trying to find what that purpose is. I like that. I like that. Um, we have a, or we had a, kind of like a group of girls that we used to meet with. And, you know, sometimes one of the topics we would talk about is that, so I'm, I'm 30 and it's like, you have all these restrictions or these, these requirements on you and you kind of constantly pressure yourself. And it's like, oh, if I'm not going to have a child, I better be a freaking CEO by tomorrow or I better have three houses and three cars paid in cash like these outrageous goals that we put on ourselves and I like I like the fact that you're like you know what I'm confident in what I'm currently doing and I don't I may not know all the time but that's okay and I'm gonna get there it's gonna be okay in God's timing I'm very happy yes you said that because that's real And, you know, honestly, I think about when you think about people being in high level positions in their career, they really don't have the time for anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, And I cannot, especially someone who deals with anxiety and depression, I kind of rely on human interaction, humans that I want to be around. Um, (laughs) But um, I still, I want to still have the time to um dedicate my time to my church or the sorority or my friends you know what I mean I don't want to be so career driven that I don't have time to do something like this to come and speak with you ladies you know because Mm -hmm. I'm working I received emails from people and I look at the time you know look at the time on your work email and it was like 11 45 p.m like why are you up yeah right Baby, I leave. I turn everything off. The work phone, uh, computer, everything stayed in one room. I'm not taking it with me. Right. You have to no. do that. You have to turn it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I'm true. They don't. They just like their life is that job, which could be there today and gone tomorrow. And you're getting replaced. Like nobody. Yes. And um, I, I honestly think that probably is the reason why I one of the reasons why I'm not as career driven or don't take it as serious. I don't want to say as seriously, but I don't put a lot of value in it. Um, I was laid off three times in six years. So (laughs) understanding that your job, you're just a number, like you could be here today and gone tomorrow. Um, But each time I was laid off, God put me in a better position the next time. Mm -hmm. But even with that, just knowing that, okay, this is my job. I cannot make this my life. I have to find value in things outside of my job. And so when I mentioned earlier in the conversation that my job is my seed, like the money that I make there, I use it to plant, to sow into other things that I do feel like I'm doing for humanity, my church work or things in the sorority, or if I just want to give, I'm a huge giver. And so if I just want to get randomly, Choose someone from my social media. I'm like, hey, send me your cash out. But I use my job as that seed, as the seed to sow into the lives of other people or to sow into my dream. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. You know, you're the second person who uh, that we interviewed yeah. in the series who mentioned sewing into people uh, mm-hmm. using their job um, to do to do that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we are all on the right path, picking the right yeah. woman to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. I have a question for you in regards to um, since you made the transition from Houston to, to California to the Bay Area. Who are some women that you know personally that that you view as powerful? Gosh, honestly, I would say for one, if we're just we're talking about the women that I've met here, my pastor, who's also the first lady of my church, love her. I love I've learned so much from her in regards to just grace. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily the grace you give to yourself, but the grace you extend to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, because y'all working with church people, I know. <laughs> hey, oh, you know, especially AJ. I can't even comment because they're gonna be watching. But listen, crazy. They know about themselves. <laughs> they know. <laughs> Y'all, like I have been doing ministry work. I probably I've been in ministry work twenty plus years. So I started doing ministry work at the age of sixteen, and even in in that young age, putting in been put in positions that were leadership roles over women who were a lot older than me. And whew, Jesus, listen. Sometimes I like look, Jesus. I love you, but your kids. Get Come get them. <laughs> Come pick them up. <laughs> yeah, on my nerves. And like, I, I've had conversations with my pastor, and like, these people are testing my gangster. They are right. testing me. Um, but anyway, just I say all that to say, like, just sitting under her leadership has really helped me um, learn how to extend grace to other people, how to interact with other people. Because my mouth, first thing I prayed about when I joined this, um, when I moved here, was God to um, remove me from the spirit of the clapback because it comes, it comes so fast. And then as soon as you pray about that, and somebody tests you and your clapbackness. Really just watching her, the way she handles people, um, and also, I always say that I learn a lot from my girlfriends, from my friends, because just watching them in action, just either if it's how they handle their career or how they handle their children or how they handle their marriages um, and how they just pour into me as well. um, Learning so much from my friends and how they get through hardships. A lot of all of my friends actually here that I've met when I moved my kind of my core group, none of us are from the Bay Area. Mm. And so we all met as transplants, is what you Oaklanders like to call us, <laughs> transplants. Um, and so just watching them move through that transition, being away from home, because none of us have family here. We didn't move here because of family. And so watching how they have handled this and um, my friends that I've known since college or childhood, um, watching them be powerful women in their own rights, whether it's like I said, in the home or um, in their churches. But 
I honestly believe like all of the women, because I'm very calculated with who I let into my circle. Um, Mm -hmm. And watching those people that I interact with every day, I would, I would say that every single woman that I interact with is a very powerful woman in their own right. Whether it is, I'm, I'm a stay at home mom, I'm going to handle the kids. That's power in itself. You know, Um, if it's, Someone, I have friends who are, who have left corporate America because it wasn't serving them and they just started their own, their own journey and left great paying jobs in corporate America. But like I said, it wasn't serving them and they started their own journey in their own business, watching them handle that. Um, really, it inspires me. And I, I, I don't typically, when we talk about powerful women, I don't typically like to put that title or that role on celebrities. Because, you know, some people might say, oh, Michelle Obama or Oprah or um, whomever they may think is their their model, their mentor, their powerful woman. I don't know them personally. Right. I can only, I, I consider the women who I surround myself with Mm-hmm. who I can touch, who I can call as my role models, a powerful woman. My mother, even, you know, all of our parents have gone through their own trauma in growing, but still managed to create us, beautiful Black women. Yeah. And, you know, she's a powerful woman. So I would say, like, every single woman that I've surrounded myself with, you ladies that I've met, and just the energy there, you know what I mean? Love that. Well, I have one last question for you. Yes. To wrap it up. Um, so what's next for you? And that could be a two-part question. How do you what do you want to leave behind? Um, what 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 what's next for you? What can people find you? All that good stuff. Um, what's next? Gosh, that's a that's a great question because I have no idea, honestly. And I, I <laughs> I have no idea. I just know, honestly, I just take it one day at a time. And the only thing that I know to do that works is prayer. And, you know, my time with God and just helping, having that help to figure out, okay, what is my next move? And honestly, it's just one day at a time. I'm not a person that can give you a 10-year plan. This is where I see myself in 10. I don't know. I honestly cannot, I can barely give you a two year. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I could just tell you what I'm doing today to create my future and what I say today to create my future. I cannot tell you in 10 years where I see myself. Um, I can tell you what I would want and just pray that when I speak those words and those things, then it will, it will manifest but I can't tell you exactly what I'll, I'll see myself, where I see myself in 10 years. Um, what was the other question? Where can people <laughs> find you? <laughs> um, I can be on social media. So my social media handle on all platforms is I am Star Howard and Star with two R's. Um, I branded myself that way because I'm not that creative with trying to figure out another name. So it's going to be Mark. I am Star Howard across the board. Um, Except Twitter. I mean, I'm on Twitter, but I don't tweet a lot. So Facebook, Instagram, and my website is IamStarHoward.org right now. That's under construction, but 
find me on um, IamStarHoward.com is the the website now that is tentative. That is kind of taking the place uh, until I get the main website up. Nice. Well, we're so happy that you were able to join us and spend time with us and pour into us. Um, if there's anything that we could do to pour into you and your ministry or what you're doing, we would love to do so. Um, yes. Thank you for being here. Thank you for thank being here. Thank you all. Love y'all. Thank y'all so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Oh my gosh, of course. Thank you so much. And our, and our, our viewers, Y'all already know how to stay tuned. Continue to watch. Again, this is part of the Powerful Woman series. Um, this is going to be, we're going to be going into our third season. So stay tuned. You can always find us on Surviving Adulthood Podcast on Instagram on, to find all of the details and to find Star. Yes, thank, thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.